Good evening, brothers and sisters, and welcome as we close out our day in, in worship and fellowship together. If you're visiting with us tonight, we're uh, thankful that you're here. Uh, we do have an information desk in the back in the foyer there. If you'd like to know, uh, just get some materials uh, concerning Harvest Church, we'd encourage you to help yourself to that. Uh, or, or just... Um, let us stick around and let us get to fellowship with you a bit. That would be, that would be wonderful. Uh, the Lord's given us a, a beautiful day, and uh, he's given us this opportunity to, tonight just to gather get together again and to worship him. Tonight we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And um, so I just encourage you to prepare your heart and your mind to, uh, to come to the table of the Lord tonight, to receive the grace that he has for us uh, in, the, in the table of the Lord's Supper. I'd like you to stand with me tonight as we begin. We'll be looking at uh, Isaiah chapter 55 for our call to worship. Wonderful invitation given to a sinful people. Isaiah uh, was uh, sent as a prophet to Israel when they were in all sorts of spiritual trouble. And yet we have this wonderful invitation. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so tonight as we come, let's, uh, let's come to the Lord. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Feed me till I want no more. Let's sing this hymn together.
God in heaven, we thank you that uh, we can come to you tonight seeking bread from heaven. And it's bread that you give gladly and freely and abundantly in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you supply all of our needs, physical and spiritual. We thank you, O Lord, that you are guiding us through this weary land, leading us to a new heaven and a new earth, a home of righteousness. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we can have absolute confidence tonight that we shall reach that land as we abide in Jesus Christ who is our hope. I pray, Lord, that tonight your spirit once again would be at work in our midst as only that blessed spirit can do, opening our eyes and hearts to all that you have promised to us, and, Lord, giving us a a zeal and hunger for these things, and, uh, Lord, allowing us then, giving us the strength to live with patience as we walk this pilgrim journey. And no matter what suffering or heartache uh, we come in tonight, no matter what confusion or concern, we thank you, Lord, that tonight you can meet us and lead us and, uh, and comfort and encourage us in your word and gospel. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a unison confession of faith taken from Psalm 36, verse 7 through 9. Let's read this together as our confession. Let's read together. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. For with you is the fountain of life. In your life do we see life. Amen. We feast on the abundance of God's house. Let's sing that together. We will feast in the house of Zion.
said. Amen. Would you please be seated? <laughs> a response of scripture reading tonight is taken from Psalm 139, just a wonderful psalm of, of God's knowledge, his loving care and concern for us, his a commitment to uh, be with us no matter uh, how dark uh, the place where we might be the darkness is as light to God and so let's confess our faith again in the words of Psalm 139 verses 1 through 12 O Lord you have searched me and known me you know when I sit down and when I rise up you discern my thoughts from afar you search out Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God always sees us. He never loses sight of us. And he holds us fast in his loving care. We'll sing of that together. He will hold me fast.
Tonight, as we come before Lord in congregational prayer, uh, we want you to continue to um, pray for our, our pastoral search as we look for a, a fourth pastor here and looking for a pastor for Living Hope OPC, our church plan. Also, let's keep in prayer Rockford Springs, our sister church up north a bit, as they're uh, also searching for a pastor. Let's pray that the Lord would bless them and lead them in their search as well. Um, Banny Lee asks us to pray for his grandfather who's in declining health and uh, for his grandmother and the families they care for him. Also, thank you for your prayers for Joanne's mom. Um, she um, is declining. Uh, she could go any time. Uh, she's cheerful. Uh, she is resting completely in the Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing uh, just to see her patience and, and calm. And uh, so we're, we're praying the Lord continue to bless her in her last, uh, last time, however long that might be. Uh, she continues to surprise us. Uh, let's uh, bow together in prayer. Oh, God in heaven, we thank you so much for your promise that you will hold us fast, that the work that you've begun, you always carry on to completion. And Lord, we do um, sometimes feel that our faith might fail. We are, uh, find ourselves in, in troubling circumstances, and we don't know why, and we don't know uh, how to make sense of your providence in our life. Uh, maybe, Lord, we um, are dealing with some intellectual challenge to our faith, and we don't know how to resolve it. And we have doubts about whether it's true or doubts about, Lord, your love for us. And maybe we have, have sinned greatly this week again and, and our conscience is accusing us and the devil is accusing us. And uh, we are not sure at all that uh, you are willing to hold us. And so we thank you, Lord, for your, your assurance in your word. That is, we flee to Jesus Christ for refuge. Uh, we have every reason for confidence that you will never let us go. We thank you, Lord, for your, your answers to prayer, your goodness to us, <clears throat> even in difficult times. And we thank you, Lord, for um, Joanne's mom as she is in, or Lord, her seems to be her last days. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, she is so peaceful and patient, resting in you, uh, so thankful for the, those who are ministering to her. We pray that you continue just to be with, with her and, and take her home, Lord, in your time. We pray for Banny Lee's grandfather, who's also in declining health. Father, um, we thank you that you are so, so kind and gracious to us, and uh, you love your children, and you show us uh, that love in so many ways. We, we pray, Lord, for families who are going through hard circumstances, uh, for those who are going through, Lord, uh, we have some in our congregation who are going through divorce, and um, never what they had hoped for or, or expected, and yet, um, Lord, we, um, we just lift up um, these brothers and sisters as the heartache of, of uh, broken promises and, and, and vows and, and the spouses who, uh, Lord, uh, no longer um, desire to walk with them. And so I just pray that you would bless and, uh, and, and care for. We pray for, Lord, our singles and the particular trials or that, they, that they experience. Pray for those, uh, Lord, who are just dealing with difficulties in their families and with children. We pray again for children who are not walking with the Lord. And ask, Lord, that you would be gracious and hold them fast, too, and, and bring them uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we pray you bless us as a church as we're looking for a pastor of youth and evangelism. We, we thank you for the interviews that were held, and we ask that you would guide us in this. Uh, we want, Lord, to move forward as a church and engage our community and, uh, and help our young people to grow up as well, strong in the faith. And so, Lord, we pray that you bless us. Pray for a pastor for um, the South Church Plant. Uh, pray for John Terrell and Katie as they're um, involved in a um, 
candidating process from a distance, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, just direct that so answers could be had and there'd be a clear sense of your calling if this is your will for John and Katie and for the church plant as well. We pray, Lord, for Rockford Springs as they're also looking for a pastor. We pray that you'd um, direct them and, and lead them to a man. Uh, Lord, who could be a great blessing to the work there in Rockford Springs. Lord, uh, thank you so much that you are our Father and we are your children. And, and that changes everything about our life, that uh, we are not alone. Uh, we're never uh, out of your sight. Uh, we're never out of your care. Uh, Lord, help us to live confidently in that truth. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the offering will be received tonight for the ministry of Harvest Church and our denomination. And so give with gladness in your heart to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, author and finisher of our faith, we thank you for the privilege this evening in gathering together in public worship, the blessing of praising you in song and worship, hearing your word proclaimed, and this evening in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Give us open hearts and minds to hear thy word. Be with Pastor Dale. Give him wisdom, discretion, and clarity. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings which thou hast bestowed upon us so graciously. Our health, our family, the blessings of liberty, and above all, the living bread, which was bought by our Lord and Savior. 
We pray that the tithes and offerings which are offered this evening and received will be used mightily by you in the building up of thy church, both here at Harvest and around the world. We acknowledge, Lord, our total dependence on thee for all that we are and do. We pray that thou might teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. We pray for unity here at Harvest Church, that we may be one body, albeit with many different gifts. May we be united in our love for you above all, in our love for each other as ourselves. We pray again for the lonely, the elderly, the sick. We pray that thou might surround them with thy presence. You have promised in your word, rest for the weary and heavy laden. Be with each one of them. Forgive our sins and transgressions. All this we ask and pray in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. I invite you to open your Bible tonight and turn to the Gospel of Hebrews. Uh, it is gospel all the way through. It's not called, of course, that, but the book of Hebrews, <coughs> chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to begin reading at verse 11, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 6, begin reading at verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises for when God made a promise to Abraham since he had no one greater by whom to swear he swore by himself saying surely I will bless you and multiply you and thus Abraham having patiently waited obtained the promise for people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. God in heaven, we thank you for this nugget of truth and uh, the precious comfort it gives, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit would minister uh, these truths and comforts to our hearts tonight, that we would love Jesus Christ, and that we would have, Lord, the, a strong encouragement um, to patiently wait uh, for the promise that you've given to us and sealed to us with an oath. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight we're looking at um, an anchor for assurance. If I were to ask you, uh, what, what does God want you to have? What does God want in, uh, you, to, you to experience in your life? I think uh, our thoughts would go to, well, God wants us to be holy. Uh, he wants us to be obedient. He wants us to, to uh, believe. Um, he wants us to be uh, kind and, and loving, and uh, those are the sorts of things we might, we might point to. But our text tonight shows us that uh, one of the things that God is eager for us to have is conviction, absolute assurance 
of his love for us and his purposes for us uh, in Jesus Christ. And so our, our text tonight is, uh, is about having that assurance as an anchor for your soul and having that in the midst of difficulties and trials. I, um, when I was back in seminary, I, uh, we were as poor as could be, obviously, and, and uh, a fellow student came along and asked me if uh, I'd be interested in a business opportunity, and uh, I was intrigued, and so we, we sat down for lunch, and, and it was Amway, which I knew very little about, though I was from West Michigan, and um, it, it, I pretty quickly figured out it's not going to be something I was interested in, but I was intrigued by their marketing strategy, where they would uh, tell people to uh, think about what do you want? Uh, and picture it. In fact, they told people to cut out images, all right, from a from a from magazine of of the ideal lakeside cottage that that you want to have that cottage, or the or the boat you've always sort of uh, wanted to have but never dared dream you could have. They wanted to raise people's aspirations to to, to dream big and and to want things, and then to go to work with the confidence that their um, that Amway could could provide them what they hoped for. Well. Um, there's a lot wrong with that, with that, not the least of the, the, the uh, incredible materialism of it. However, uh, Amway was onto something. We're motivated by our vision for the future, what we hope for. And we all do hope for things. We hope for ordinary things. We hope for, uh, for health. Uh, or at least um, illnesses that we can manage. We hope for family and, and for a, a, a great marriage and for healthy uh, children and, and grandchildren. We hope for some success in our career or uh, we hope for the attainment of some comfort in life. Those are the things that we, that we sort of hope for. But from time to time, things will come along in life that, that knock your ship a little sideways. Uh, where you, the ballast shifts in some sense and some great trial or, or some, uh, some um, hard news comes along that you did not expect. I've got a book in my library called The Life We Never Expected written by a young couple who uh, the Lord has uh, given a, a severely handicapped child to and how that's impacted their life and what that did with their, with their understanding of God. We're experiencing uh, some of this a bit with, uh, with Randy's diagnosis of cancer, stomach cancer, and... Um, uh, it doesn't look good. He's 50 years old. Uh, four children, none of them are, are yet married. Three girls, one boy. Um, it's not what we had hoped for. Uh, and so what do you, what do, you do? What do, you, what do you, uh, how do you kind of hold things together when your hopes have been destroyed? Uh, the writer here is writing to people who've experienced this firsthand. Uh, there are people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ and they've lost the things that normal people hope for. They were expelled from their family because of their Christian faith. They, they, many of them lost their homes. They lost their jobs because of their Christian faith. And, and, uh, and, and at first they accepted it well. In chapter 10 we read that they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their goods. But, but what initially, in, in their faith and their enthusiasm for Christ was easy, has become hard. And they realize that the things they've lost are not going to return. They're not going to get their family back. They're not going to get their, their wealth back. And, and, and it's become hard. And, and the writer is writing to encourage them then to lay hold of what do you really want? What are you hoping for? How do you continue on in this pilgrimage? Don't give up. That's a, that's a lesson that goes throughout uh, the book of Hebrews. Don't give up on this pilgrimage. And, and in order to help them, he shows them the, 
that they're going to need a rock-solid assurance, a rock-solid conviction of God's love for them and God's purposes for them. So he's writing here, and this, in this part particularly, the whole book is about assurance, but he's writing here specifically about, um, he's eager to see them confident uh, in the promises of God. Verse 11 and, and 12, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end. He wants them to have a full assurance. But he gives them, you, you have to give people reasons for assurance. You can't just say, I, you know, we really hope you're, you're confident and you're confident, convinced about these things. You got to give people reasons for confidence, reasons for conviction. And that's what the writer does so wonderfully in our text here tonight. Uh, the, the three points tonight will be God's oath and God's desire and our assurance. God's oath, God's desire, and our assurance. Well, how does the writer go about uh, giving them reasons for assurance? He reminds them of God's oath. Uh, in verse, uh, verse 13, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Uh, when you think about how does God create confidence in the lives of his people, he does it um, by speaking his word and then promise. He seals that word with a promise, and then here in our chapter we find that he not only gives us a promise, but an oath on top of it. Uh, if you just imagine uh, two boys uh, standing maybe on a, on a bridge over a creek, and they're maybe you know, 10, 12, 15 feet over, it's a long way down, and, and one boy is, is encouraging the other to jump. He's just gone, and now he's talking to his timid friend, and it's a blast, you're going to love it, just go. And uh, the, the, the littler guy, is, he's nervous, he's, he's scared. And finally, the older one says, well, tell you what, it, I'll go with you. We'll do it together. And, and the more timid one says, do you promise? Yeah, I promise. Do you swear it? Yeah, I swear it. Okay, let's go. Uh, that sort of assurance is what we, what we need when we're frightened, and that's exactly what God does for his people. The author here reminds his readers of an event that they would have known very, very well. Uh, it's about the great crisis of Abraham's faith when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac the promised son the son that they had waited for for so long the son of that that God had now given to them in their old age and God says Abraham I want you to take that son and and sacrifice him and and so Abraham in obedience and faith goes up the mountain believing that God is able to raise the dead and he and he takes the knife and he's about to sacrifice his son and God stops him in Genesis 22 and verse 16 through 18. God says this, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. God had already promised Abraham a, um, that he's going to be the father of nations back in chapter 17. But now he seals that promise with an oath. He swears by his own name. We've got to just grasp the, the significance of that. Um, people recognize that, that an oath is sort of the, the last, um, the, it's the thing that you can do to most assure that you mean what you say. So uh, in verse 16, people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. It's the last word. 
Uh, it, in times past, in, in our country, people would used to, uh, they would have to, uh, if they're going to testify in a court of law, they had to put their right hand on the Bible and they had to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, recognizing that God was their witness. And they would take, they would take that oath. Well, what is God going to swear to? Uh, there's nothing greater than God, and so God swears by, by himself. By myself I have sworn. Just noticing that what God is doing, he is attaching the immutable glory and honor in, of his own character to the promise that he's made. That if this fails, God himself, in a sense, has failed. God has been proven to be a liar if Abraham does not receive all that God had promised to him. And notice the impact, the impact, the effect that had on Abraham. Verse 15, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. You see, assurance gives you the ability to endure when life is hard. It gives you the ability to be patient, to wait on God, and, and waiting on God then to obtain exactly the thing that God had promised. Uh, we, we maybe can sometimes talk about Abraham's amazing faith, but Abraham's faith is, is a very simple faith. Uh, God had spoken and God had promised and then God had sealed his promise with an oath and Abraham just took it then to be true. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Um, Abraham did not need more than what God had given to him. I just want you to think for a moment of the condescending love of God in doing this for Abraham. And the writer is saying he didn't just do it for Abraham, he did it for us. God has sworn an oath by himself concerning us, concerning our salvation, and the, and the incredible love of God in this. Imagine if, um, if I asked my wife, uh, you know, she's going to Meyer, and I, and I asked her to pick something up for me. And she says, okay, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do that. And I said, well, uh, do, you, do you promise? I think she'd look at me a little funny and say, okay, I guess so, I promise. And then I said, I want you to swear it. <laughs> right? Here's a piece of paper. I want you to sign your name. I want an oath. I think my wife would say, why don't you help yourself to Meyer? <laughs> right? She'd be offended by that. If her word wasn't enough for me, well, then go do it yourself. Well, God has told us in his word what he'll do for us. He's told us that he'll forgive our sin. He's told us that he um, has united us to Jesus Christ so that, that, that death itself can't separate us from Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from Christ. He's told us that he's going to, make us, uh, to give us a new heaven and a new earth, a home of righteousness, where we will go, be with God and with Jesus forever in a glorified body. He's told us he will do that, and he's promised. See, so often in our times of, uh, uh, of, of trial, our attitudes and our actions, uh, in a sense, say to God, do you mean it? Do you promise that you'll do this? In our fears, in our doubts, and, and God is not offended, but God says, yes, I promise. And then when we face maybe even greater trials, we find ourselves again questioning the reliability of God's word. Do you swear it? And God, with infinite condescending love, says, by my own name, I swear it. Now, why would God do that? Well, the answer is in verse 17. Because he desires to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. 
We have just an astounding insight here into the heart of God our Father. Our Father in heaven has this passion, this great desire to show us all the more convincingly, to convince us irrefutably of His unchanging, immutable purposes for us, to do us good, to bless us. He wants us to be so convinced of our glorious future that it produces patience and faith and calm and comfort and and strength because we know that we are the heirs of everlasting life. I think we make too little a thing of assurance. God makes a big deal of assurance. He wants His children to be convinced to the marrow of their bones that everything that God has said is not only true, but is immutably true for them in Jesus Christ. He wants us to know that He has an unchangeable purpose, purpose before the foundation of the world. And that God has sworn an oath by Himself that what He purposed in eternity past will be accomplished in eternity future. God wants us to know that we stand then in this amazing destiny. Uh, the Bible talks like this. Paul says that we, you know, you've been destined to obtain salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Ephesians 1, we've been predestined for adoption as sons. God has purposed to create you. He's purposed to give you to Jesus, that Jesus might be your Savior, that, and that He's purposed then to do everything necessary to bring you into the glorious eternity of a new heaven and a new earth. And God wants us to know this, to be convinced right now in the trials. One of the things that just struck me again, I was, I was talking with my brother Randy, uh, and, and just sharing how, you know, when the news comes, you have cancer, immediately the devil goes to work. Is God punishing you? Is there, right, then the devil will raise some, uh, the, the sin in your life. Well, this is, this is God finally dropping the shoe. This is, this is God finally saying, I've had it. And, and what are you going to say, right, when you, when you uh, come to the judgment throne? The devil's playing all these games. Well, what are you going to do when, when that happens to you? When the ballast of, of your boat shifts and, and you find yourself leaning precariously in your faith. Well, God wants us, you see, in that moment to be able to stand in the middle of the chaos of our world, in the midst of loss, in the midst of heartache, to stand there with faith and patience because we believe what He's said. And we're holding fast to the hope that He set before us. We believe that God, who has promised and sworn an oath, will never change His mind. God wants us to have this assurance And that's why he swore an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement, a strong comfort to hold fast to the hope set before us. God's word and his immutable purpose are meant to provide for us this strong, mighty, invincible encouragement for us. And the encouragement is to lay hold then of the hope that we have in Christ. And this is for all those who fled for refuge, who fled to Christ for refuge. It comes, of course, from the Old Testament, the cities of refuge, where if you accidentally killed someone, you could flee to a city of refuge and be protected there. Well, the Christian is someone who's fled to Jesus Christ for refuge. And the writer wants us to know that if you fled for Jesus Christ for refuge, God wants you to be fully convinced 
of his promise and purpose for you. And so we come then finally to our, our hope, our assurance. Um, the writer wants us to lay hold of the hope set before us. And then he says in verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have this, he says, this hope. And, and when he's talking about this hope, he's talking about the, the, the thing that God has promised to us. Uh, the thing that we, that we, we hunger for, we long for, the, the, the new heaven and the new earth. We're, we are, if we're a Christian pilgrim, we're not just looking for our life to be easy. We're, we're looking for a better country. We, we don't just want things to go well here and now. We want that, that more beautiful city, that more enduring kingdom where all the deepest satisfaction and longing of our heart is actually going to be fulfilled as we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what we, that's what we hope for. That's our hope. And, and that's what is, is promised to us. And, and, and the writer is saying we have that that hope that conviction about those things as an anchor for the soul and then he gives us this wonderful word picture the imagery um, when he's talking about this steadfast anchor of the soul it comes from the ancient nautical world of the mediterranean sea a commentator writes this he says the word forerunner is yet another of the nautical terms used in hebrews the particular word here prodromos is one that appears nowhere else in scripture but has to do with a familiar scene in the ancient world. Louis Talbot explains that Greek harbors were often cut off from the sea by sandbars over which the larger ships could not pass until the full tide came in. Therefore, a lighter vessel, a prodromos, a forerunner, would take the anchor, go over the sandbar, and drop the anchor into the harbor. From that moment, the ship was safe from the storm, though it had to wait for the tide before it could enter the harbor. The forerunner carrying the ship's anchor was the pledge that the ship would safely enter the harbor when the tide was full. It's a wonderful, wonderful image. That Jesus uh, entered into the, the boat of our life, right? He joined us in this, in this broken world. Uh, he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. He, he suffered as we do. He knows what living in this world is about. And then he left this ship to enter into the harbor of the new heaven and the new earth. But his departure was not an abandonment, it was a preparation. He went as the forerunner, the first fruit, the absolute guarantee that we will also one day enter the calm waters of that eternal shore. The writer is saying to us, how, how can you be confident as a Christian that you will go to heaven and that you will enter into the presence of God? Um, how do you know that is true? And your answer is because Jesus did. And I belong to him. Jesus has already entered the harbor. He's already there. And, and, and because he's there, I also will be there. He's the anchor. And even though I can't see him now, which would be absolutely true when that little prodromus takes the anchor, it drops it into the harbor. You don't see it. It disappears beneath the waves. And the writer says, Jesus went into the most holy place. He disappeared behind the curtain. We do not see him now. 
But we know he's there. All we can see now are the lines, right, that, 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 that attach us to him. And those lines are the lines of God's promise, God's oath. And they, that promise and that oath continually reminds us that though the anchor is on sea, it's there and it is our assurance. Um, that because Jesus is in the harbor, when the time is right and the tide rises, we also will go into the very presence of God. So friends, the writer and God himself wants us to be absolutely confident because that anchor is there and that, that anchor, the ropes that hold us to Jesus Christ, the, 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 the promise and oath of God, those, those ropes will never break. And so even when our faith feels weak, when we feel very, very um, insecure in our faith, um, the, the anchor is holding us fast. The, the, the promises of God that hold us to Jesus Christ will never let us go. And, be, and, and where Jesus is, one day we will be there as well. There's an, old, um, there's an old hymn that many of you probably know. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are tonight. Um, I do know that we are all going to experience storms and tempests and things that break your heart and things that, that make you wonder about God's providence and God's, God's purpose. You won't, you won't be able to figure out why this is happening to you. It'll be, it'll be something you, you, would, you would never expected or you'd hope never to experience. And that might happen multiple times. Uh, children can die young. Loved ones, the same. Uh, you could be stricken with an illness. You can lose your job. Uh, we might face a time of persecution. And we, and we face things that we never thought we would face. This is, this is life in this world. This is the pilgrimage that God has called us to. It is critical that we are convinced of the purposes of God, that we are absolutely assured that the things that are happening are not mistakes, that God is inerringly at work, unerringly at work, with infinite wisdom and skill in all of it to get us to that safe harbor he's promised to bring us to. We have to be convinced. Of the, the, the people who are not convinced, the people who lose sight of their hope, are going to be, they're going to drift away. And so God wants you to be convinced. God wants you to be assured to lay hold of the hope that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the reasons he gives us a sacrament like we have tonight. Uh, this is visible, tangible evidence of the anchor um, that is Jesus Christ and all that he has accomplished for us. And so tonight as you come to the table, uh, as you eat the bread and drink the wine, lay hold of your hope. Let God convince you that this is true for you in Jesus Christ. If you've confessed your sin, if you've fled to refuge to Jesus Christ, these are the things that are certain and immutably true for you. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you that you desire us to be convinced and assured, and you give us reasons for it as you give us not only your word but your promise, and not only your promise but your oath, and Father, we confess that we so easily doubt and we question your wisdom and your ways. 
And Lord, sometimes when the devil accuses us or our own conscience accuses us, we question whether you could love us still or love us enough to save us. And Lord, I I pray that you would help us as your people to have this hope as an anchor for our soul. That That we would know to the marrow of our bones that everything you've promised to us in Jesus Christ, we shall certainly, infallibly receive. I pray, Lord God, that that this uh, conviction would give us patience, this conviction would give us joy, that we would not be tossed about um, by uh, the trials of our life, but we'd be able to trust you, to wait upon you, uh, to believe all that you've promised and spoken and, and all that you've sworn to in your own holy name, and to believe it, Lord, in a way that gives you honor and gives you glory and brings us safely home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask the elders to come forward. from the Gospel of Luke. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus Christ, friends, wants us to be assured, to have absolute confidence in all that he's done for us and all that he's promised to us. And so he gives us this supper. Um, This very, very simple um, sign bread and wine, and yet all the purpose of God contained in it, all the promises of God for you in Christ have signified in that little piece of bread and that little glass of wine. And so as you, as you participate tonight, eat and drink, um, receiving God's promise, God's oath, God's assurance to you. Uh, we, we'd invite you, if you're visiting with us tonight, if you're a member of a Bible-believing church, uh, we invite you to, to participate with us in the table of the Lord. Um, we do ask that you not be living in unrepentant sin, um, and, uh, and if you are, we just, we just would encourage you tonight just to, um, to make, you, make things right with the Lord, that you confess your sin and you, um, you, you step out of that, a pattern of sin, if that's where you are, or you seek repentance, you come and ask for help. Um, so that the gospel becomes uh, your encouragement and your confidence again and you come to the table as someone who is willing to follow Jesus Christ who gave his life for you. This can be a time for you just to do some soul work in your own heart tonight. But the table is for sinners. This is not for, this is not for people who've cleaned up their act. This table is for sinners who need a savior, who've confessed their sin and are trusting in all that Jesus Christ has accomplished for them. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come to your table tonight, I pray that you would give us the grace to believe all that you promised to us in it, all that you've accomplished for us, 
that we would lay hold of this certain hope that we have in the gospel, in your body and blood crucified for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and he broke it, he gave thanks and broke it. And he said to them, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. while the bread is being distributed, we're going to sing together amidst us our beloved stands.
How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more could he say than to you, he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. God has said everything we need to hear, everything we need to know. And and tonight in the sacrament, Jesus Christ himself um, assures us these things are true for those who fled to him for refuge. And so tonight, take and eat, remember and believe. Believe with all your heart all that God has purposed for you forever in Jesus Christ. After the supper, the Lord also took the cup and blessed it and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of all sin. And as the wine is being distributed, we're going to sing together, Behold the Lamb.
Remember the great invitation of God. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have no money, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. It's freely given to us. Everlasting life, a new heaven and a new earth. The remission of all of our sin, all in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you drink, remember and believe the gospel, all that God has for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God in heaven, you have blessed us so richly with your word, your promise, your oath, all sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh God in heaven, we are just stunned at your love for us. And I pray, Lord, that that love would truly be transformative, that we would be able to let, uh, let our fears go and, and our grudges, our unforgiveness, our love for pet sins. Oh God, I pray that, that your love would purify us as we set our hope on all that you've given to us in Jesus. And we live for what is yet to come. Lord, I pray that we would honor you in believing and that we would experience the joy and the peace that come from believing. We ask, Lord, that you would do this in our midst. You've spoken. Now, by your spirit, Lord, may we lay hold of that hope and hold fast to what you've promised to us in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll give him the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. As is our custom after we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, we take a benevolent offering so the deacons will come forward. If you have a gift, uh, you can give it online, or if you have a gift here with you this evening, just hold out your hand and the the deacons will uh, receive that gift. This is taken for people who have particular needs. After the benediction, we will close with the hymn, Blessed Be the Lord, Our Father's God. It's been a good day together, and the Lord has good purposes for you this week. 
And as you go and live by the Spirit, uh, in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of God's love for you, uh, go with His blessing. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now until Christ comes again. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you.